Welcome back, everybody, to the Crypto Conversion Podcast. Unfortunately, we are a matless podcast tonight, but no worries here. It's Connor, Brandon, and we are pleased to be joined this evening or morning, noon, or night, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, Jake Goslin. Um, Jake is a Bitcoiner, but he also is what we would call more of our just entrepreneur in general, um, business creator, um, motivator. He has his own YouTube channel. Uh, Connor was actually the one who got in touch with him initially on Twitter, which was great. And we're super pumped that Jake was able to join us. And this is actually our first episode um, post the holiday. So um, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and uh, all of that good stuff. So Jake, just welcome to the podcast. And let's just let's just get into it. So you're a Bitcoiner and a lot of your content kind of focuses around the culture of Bitcoin. And, you know, I guess just kind of starting out, where did you get into the Bitcoin space and what was kind of your orange pill moment or your crypto moment in general? Because you're kind of around the same age as me and Connor and we have all kind of came into this game a little bit differently. So it's always interesting hearing where somebody comes from and, and how they got involved with the space. Yeah, I would, I would say uh, my orange pill moment started actually back in around probably 2015. My background was uh, having the intention to, um, oh, but I didn't buy in 2015. So don't sure. get your hopes up. Okay. But okay. My, the, the philosophy behind how I approach the space and why I have a lot of conviction in Bitcoin, I think it all started back then. And, you know, around that time, I was actually in seminary and I intended to kind of go into full-time ministry as a worship pastor um, back then. And um, around that time, I went to a conference called Acton University. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's no. a, Acton is a, now I know like the more about them after going to that event, but they're like a basically a libertarian think tank that uh, they must raise money from you know, a bunch of millionaires and billionaires out there who want to shape the world to, to help, 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 help people think with more libertarian values. And uh, I'm appreciative of that because I think practically that's the way the world should be. And they actually funded me as a seminary student to go to this conference, which was a few days of a bunch of academics, which is kind of surprising because academics are usually the statists, but there's academics who were um, talking about like the problems that big government creates. And it was the first time I learned this idea that, oh, the government actually incentivizes single moms to remain single moms uh, financially and not get married or else their welfare will be taken away, right? So it doesn't take uh, an advanced degree in sociology or political science to understand, oh, that's probably bad, a net bad for society. Um, and just learning what the government, you know, the government, People might be well-meaning. I don't think everybody in government is, 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 has this evil plan, but they tend to always do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I started developing these more libertarian ideas where the state should have less and less power. It should be as small as humanly possible. Um, and society will flourish and we'll all be in a better place. And then, of course, COVID was like, the major, uh, red pill moment, uh, you know, to be like, Oh my word, like, all the things are pushing with 
lockdowns and vaccines and just gaslighting uh, turned up to level 100, 110%. And just, it, it still, still see a lot of that today as well. But 2020, that's when, um, by that time, I had actually had been running my own business for a few years and was experiencing a significant amount of uh, success with that. And uh, my business too is actually helping churches with audio, visual, live streaming, things like that. And 2020 was interesting for my business because a lot of people needed help with that because now church churches were shut down. Um, they still need our help, whether they're streaming or just having ABL in person. So we, we do both of those things. But I saw, I mean, I'm in the church world, so I even saw churches, you know, being shut down and um, not being able to meet in person. And a lot of people were just afraid. And and so the combination of that, what I was experiencing with, you know, this kind of philosophy of libertarianism I developed over the years, especially when you start your own business, you quickly become a libertarian. Um, because you learn about just all the taxes you have to pay and the regulations out there. And it's just like absurd stuff. Like right now I'm having a, I'm, I'm building out a lot of systems to sell equipment in different States and just do drop shipping. And it's like, I got to get resale certificates and sellers mm -hmm. permits everywhere. And like, why does some bureaucrat in the state of Washington need my information for me to sell something to someone there? Right. It's just a bunch of hoops. It frustrates me just talking about it. So that, and then also being a business owner, you kind of get addicted to building your business, growing your business, adding value to the world. And I start learning. It's like, oh man, I get a lot of fulfillment and joy out of, you know, adding value and building this thing that accumulates value over time. And it's obviously kicking off this, this profit where now I have this good problem of what do I do with my capital? that my, my, that I uh, accumulated from the profits of a company, like, where do I put that? So, you know, I have other options. I can start de-risking myself from my business. Um, and that capital can just grow. So eventually I'm retired and I can do other things. Right. Um, so all that around 2020 and, you know, I, I was kind of aware of the concept of the fed and money, the money printer and all that stuff. And, all of us became very aware of that in 2020, how bad it could get uh, when they just massively and quickly expanded the money supply. And that's when it was somewhere around November 2020. I have a younger cousin. He actually, he's a great guy named Liam. He studied finance. And at the time, this is a few years ago. So I think he was maybe 20 years old or something like that. Um, I was 30 years old. And he's the one who's like, Jake, you're like, you, you really got to like look into Bitcoin here. And like, he kind of, he kind of got me down that rabbit hole, even though I briefly, you know, heard of Bitcoin before years ago, but this time I'm like, okay, I have, I can, I, I actually have this problem and Bitcoin really is the solution of just like, where can I save my money, my, my, my monetary energy. Right. And then the really bigger, the, the more significant orange pill moment was listening to a Michael Saylor interview around that time in December, 2020. Yeah. December, 2020. I think it was him and Raul Powell, Mr. Crypto boy extraordinaire. Right. <laughs> and and I, I still like Raul. I just, I think yeah, crypto for the most yeah. part, I feel like a lot of it's a waste of time. Um, 
unless you like trading. But the uh, listening to that interview in Michael Saylor explaining uh, Bitcoin from his perspective as an engineer and how our monetary system is is a failure when it comes to engineering it well it's like it's engineered to leak two percent every year and and it can it often leaks more than that right of its of its energy or however you want to refer to it um so that was like the big orange pill for me that's when i was like yep this is this is something i'm going to start saving in um and yeah that's three years ago and not a whole lot has changed other than i become more of a probably more of a threat to democracy at this point and more (laughs) I'm more of a religious extremist. I'm more of a Bitcoiner. I'm more of all the things that <laughs> they don't want to, to happen. Um, and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, complete, completely joking, of course, right? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> until you're doing forums on 4chan, I think you'll be okay. So, um, yeah, no, but um, that that's good stuff. Appreciate the uh, just some, the additional context and background there because it, it helps to just kind of, you know, where this conversation will branch off. So one thing that I was curious about, so glad we just kind of put the libertarian, you know, notion out there right from the jump, because I definitely noticed the, that, um, that theme in your, in your content on your channel specifically. And it's, it's interesting because you come at it with a Christian approach where a lot of libertarians wouldn't even some libertarians wouldn't even broach the subject of religion. So it's like, how, how does, what's that balancing act like in, in your life or in, in your, in your viewpoints in general? Cause um, I kind of agree with you and I disagree with you at the same time with some things, but I think I agree with you more than I disagree with you. If that, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the disagreements are kind of what helps. And you know what I really yeah. appreciated about you, Jake, when I first asked you to come on the podcast, you said, yeah, let's do it. But fair warning, I'm a toxic Bitcoin maximalist. And I'm like, great, let's go. You know, yeah. I, I really appreciate strong opinions. And um, one thing I really loved about what you said about uh, your journey there was you were watching during COVID, you know, churches getting shut down, you know, people, people getting debanked, all these issues that go in. And this is what draws you to Bitcoin. It's like a solution to these very real problems. And we've interviewed, we've interviewed a, a bunch of builders in the space, uh, ma- mostly Bitcoin people, um, to be honest, but we've done, you know, crypto conversion. Obviously we are somewhat of a crypto podcast as well. Anybody who's building, we'll, we talk to AI people too. I would really say we're more of like an emerging tech uh, podcast. Yeah. But what I really appreciate about all of these people that we get on, all Christians for the most part, um, is they're in this space for very real reasons, you know? And I talk to a lot of people in Bitcoin and crypto that are just here to make money, you know? And as much as I love making money, my value system, you know, comes before that. And that's really what I think. Uh, I, I just think Christians are naturally Bitcoiners because we're like the realest Bitcoiners. We know how important, you know, this technology is for, you know, the survival of, of families and of faith and, um, you know, all these things that we really hold dear. So, yeah, I, I love people that have strong views and strong opinions because it's like, that's a real person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you mentioned like, yeah, people being in it for making money. And <clears throat> because, because fortunately my business does well and I do make plenty of money with it, it I've also made enough money so far to learn. It's like, you know, 
the money, obviously it's not like it's, it's not going to bring the ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction. Cause I, I mean, I do think there's, there's some baseline and I might be different for other people about how much income you need and, and, and assets to like make you make sure you can survive and your family can thrive. But, um, I don't know. I think that's where in the, in the Bitcoin crypto world, it is easy for people to kind of get sucked into the like, Oh, number go up. This is just like a quick rich, you know, thing. And, um, then we'll go on our merry way into, you know, GameStop or something like that or some other meme stock that's out there. Um, but yeah, that's why it, it is. It's it, it. And that's actually as a Christian, maybe the only thing I sometimes I'm concerned. It, about how much I think about Bitcoin is it almost gets a little too religious sometimes. I'm like, oh, is this competing with, um, in any way with the kingdom of God? Or is this actually, um, a way that the kingdom of God is making its way into finance? That's, that's sometimes I, I like to, re- to think about that a little bit and, and just be, be careful about that. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that always, I don't know, I wouldn't say it sets off alarms to me, but, the one my one one critique i guess of the bitcoin space is that i do kind of feel like you know people who are super deep into it some of these people you know bitcoin is the most important thing to them and as much as i do i think bitcoin is great i think the technology is you know absolutely incredible it's, it's revolutionary um there's a hierarchy i guess of values there uh jordan mm-hmm. peterson is famous for talking about right hierarchical uh, value structures but at the top of that hierarchy for me, being a Christian is, is you know, the church and, uh, you know, this mission that we're called to here in life. And so I'm always afraid of that getting flipped and, yep. Yep. and talking to Christians. And I'll say this too. Um, I think sometimes Christians kind of get subsumed into this kind of thought and specifically, uh, well, Matt's not here today, but Matt and I have talked about this a number of times and we agree on this point, but as much as I want to tell Christians about Bitcoin so that they can benefit from all these things that Bitcoin, you know, offers us. I also want to tell like Bitcoiners about Christianity. And I think we need more Christians in Bitcoin, not just for the benefits that it's going to bring the church, but also for the benefit that Christians are going to bring to Bitcoin, which is, you know, we actually care about these decentralized values. We care about, you know, to see Bitcoin really accomplish what it's meant to do and not get, you know, overtaken by competing interests. Yeah. So I almost feel like Christians can bring more to Bitcoin than Bitcoin can really bring to Christians. And cause, yeah. and that, and that's the thing, Connor, it's like, it's the same consensus that like the pilgrims brought to the Netherlands when they were there, the King of the Dutch didn't want the pilgrims to leave. Um, but the, the pilgrims were like, no, we need to go back to England. They were, they were completely different cultures it is similar to like Christians and Bitcoin, but because the way they lived their life and they had big families and they were thriving citizens, that by the time they told the Dutch, hey, we're, we're going, and the leadership was trying to do everything, stay, stay, stay. They were like, no, God's calling us to leave. And so then they left. But it, initially, there was so much apprehension when they came into that space. They didn't want the local, the locale and the leadership didn't want them to be included, but then they saw the belligerence that their, that their natives were bringing to their culture and how these mm-hmm. outsiders had improved so many things because all of a sudden there was functionality to society because there was values and virtue being practiced. It changed the whole way they looked at it. And I think we could see a similar thing in Bitcoin, but I just don't know how to get, you know, the pull the Christian populace 
into it um, because it's it, there's definitely a technological and uh, an age gap combination of it, which I think is the only the people, the, the, the only Christians who really uh, care about Bitcoin at this point are the ones who have a capital uh, preservation problem. Like the ones okay. who literally, it, it sounds harsh, but like if I, I, none of my poor friends are excited about Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like if they're Christian mm -hmm. and there are, you know, and like, and what makes it harder is that in the church, we've kind of sanctified um, the idea of, 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 of being economically poor. Like that's like a, you're, it's almost like a, it's the poverty gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, yep. Hey, you're closer to God. If you are economically, like financially poor, like that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. And if you're, if you're financially wealthy, um, that's a bad thing where it's just like really horrible reading of scripture. Um, that's a whole other tangent we can get down, um, uh, as well. Yeah, it's not, we, we can not, talk about beatitudes later. Yeah. It's not, it's not poverty. It's not, we don't want poverty gospel. We don't want prosperity gospel. Right. So that, that's why, I don't know, when I try to talk to, um, I talk to my pastors and all that stuff and like great guys, but they'll even say it's like they're pastors, like they don't have a capital preservation problem because there's not much capital, right? And that's that's what Bitcoin is solving the most right now. That's why guys like Sailor, who are sitting on so much thinking money, uh, get it, right? And he's going to put it away. I wish he was a Christian, but he's not, you know. But e even the guys in the Christian space, like I bet like a Robert Breedlove, I think he has a pretty successful finance and a background in finance, so like. He needs that. I feel like that if everybody were honest, like that's one of the big things. And I mean, the other thing is like, there are guys who maybe are legitimately more passionate about just the ethics of money and, and they're Christians. And they're like, yeah, like this is ethically a better solution. Right. Um, but yeah, There's, I think that, I think you're right. And I think that's why whenever I'm talking to Christians, I never go for the, uh, you know, the money angle because it, mm. yeah, it's capital preservation, but if, a lot of people just don't care about that and it is what it is. But um, yeah. for me, like the biggest, the biggest thing that I can go for is like what happened with the, uh, the Canadian trucker protest. Right. It's like, yeah, okay, they're going to go do something. And then the banks just cut off those payment rails. And as Christians, we recognize, you know, so many of fellow brothers and sisters in these different organizations, a lot of them up there in the Canadian truckers uh, protest. And if the, if the government just says, okay, well you can't, you know, you can't fund other, you know, other Christians, other conservatives, like we need an alternative system. Like we can see how the, the U S dollar is basically a weapon. The, the issue though is, is, and this is where I wish there was more libertarianism in the church because Christians will be like, Oh, well the government, like they're the good guys. Like they, the, those truckers must be the bad guys like that. that there must be a good reason why the state is trying to censor them. Right. Like it's for, it's for our safety, you know, it's for the common good. And like, that's, that's where I think we talked earlier or Brandon, you asked earlier about like, Oh, I'm surprised. Like you're so libertarian being a Christian. And for me, it's abundantly clear reading scripture that the state is a very bad actor. Like you literally, yeah. again, as someone like you look at the old Testament and you know, God's like, Hey, you're my people. I'll, I'll be your King. Just listen to what I say. I will literally write it down on tablets for you. And you just have to follow the directions. And then people are like, no, we want a King. Like give us a real King. And he's like, are you sure the, the king, the government's going to come take all your stuff and make your life miserable? And they're like, yes, like something about our sinful nature. We're just like, 
uh, we just want to put ourselves in that situation of, of being enslaved by authoritarian evil rulers. Right. And even go to the new Testament. Um, yeah. that's yeah. what I was about to say. It couldn't Christ, be even more abundantly clear in the new Testament with the Roman empire basically yeah. running. Yeah. Everything. Right. Right. Everything is like, it's like literally even from, even from chapter one of Luke of Jesus's, of Jesus's birth, like the fact that some emperor somewhere is like, Hey, we need a census. So I need all of you guys to stop what you're doing and go back to your hometown so I can count you. It's like, what the heck is, is, is that? Like, and, and we just gloss over those passages because we don't really read them in their historical context and how ridiculous that was. Um, it, but the, and the sad thing is today people do the same thing, like the, the same decree of obeying a, a census mandate is the same thing of following a mask mandate or lockdown mandate or something like that. Yep. Uh, people aren't thinking critically about how uh, negative an impact this can have with, with government overreach and, and, and who's, who has slaughtered more people throughout all of history? Governments <laughs> like governments are the bad guys, whether it's genocide, war, everything. So that's where it's like, it's, it's really, it's hard for me to understand. Like, obviously there's some aspects of the, the, the libertarian party platform that are like, Oh yeah. Sexual ethics. Like we don't care, but do what they want to do. Or like, uh, they're, they tend to be more pro choice, but it's like, well, what about the liberty of the, the baby who's, who's being murdered here? Like that, that doesn't seem very libertarian to support the, the fetus, right? Um, to not support the, the life of the fetus. So to me, it's just, it's pretty, when you just start, uh, looking at it, like scripture and, and you think some basic political, uh, uh, thought about it and what makes sense. It's like, oh, libertarianism, libertarianism makes a whole lot of sense, uh, from a Christian perspective. Because ultimately, even theologically, like the king, think about the kingdom of God, the, what Christ has, has, has brought to the world in, in my, yeah, what Christ has brought to the world is like, hey, uh, God can now rule and reign in the hearts of men. It's like, why? It's almost a, decentralizing concept when you think about it it's like why do we need if 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 god can transform our hearts why do we need all these governments kind of bearing down on us telling us like how to conduct ourselves or what we can and can't do um so i i almost think like the kingdom of god that's why so many i think so, that's why these bitcoiners are are so passionate about this um in connecting the dots uh like thank the thank god for bitcoin guys stuff like that is because there's just so many similarities there uh, between the christian values bitcoin values libertarian values so you call yourself more of a libertarian i think i refer to myself more as a constitutionalist but i think we i think we're thinking the same things because when i look at the documents that the founding fathers put together they set such a high standard that even they couldn't follow so i feel like we're more in line with with the way we think about it i just think about it in terms of the ramifications of when you know, for, for us, you know, being limited in our, you know, we were Americans. It's like, how do we just get back to that standard? And um, it, it definitely, like, the government has definitely turned into a religion for people. Like, that, let's just call a spade a spade. This is where this conversation is going. Government is a rival religion to Christianity right now. That's mm -hmm. what's happening yep. in the world, especially as 
we see, you know, but nobody uh, talks about that. No, no, no pastors, no, no pastors about talk about it. Nobody's aware of it in the and church. People really should because all of that stuff, I'm going to do it right now. I shouldn't really say this on the podcast. I'll probably get banned from YouTube. LGBTQ, um, BLM, it's all rival religions. That's what it is at this point. Mm. And people need to start accepting that. And uh, I guess this is the perfect podcast to really start opening this can of worms, Connor. But um, I'm going to go there because that's how I've always really felt about this, especially <laughs> since 2020. Um, but e even more so as of late, because it's been infiltrating education systems and, you know, the perfect time to talk about education, actually, and just polluting society as a whole. So um, if this episode is going to go political, I might as well just go full uh, right red wing if I have to. But, yeah, it's it's it, you already Connor. You already knew I was like this. I just have been saying it without hitting record. But we might as well just call it out. Like I guess I do fall in the same camp as Jake. Then so all right, mm -hmm. call it call it what you want. No, I don't. Yep. I don't think that's that crazy of a thought. Um, and no, I I'll say this. I'm not a libertarian for a variety of reasons, but I I would say I have a very deep seated frustration with a lot of libertarians. Because I think, I think they're a little distracted with, um, with just not taking power. I guess to put it lightly, I think the government is a problem, but I think it's primarily a problem because we don't have Christians in power. So I almost think I'm probably a little more extreme than you are, Brandon, on this. That's fine. Um, but it did take me a second to connect the dots. But the Acton Institute, Brandon partnered with Matt Pinto to put on that the Catholic crypto conference. Oh, Navarro's, I don't know if he's the, the president over there at the, do you know this name, Jake? It sounds familiar, he was, but okay, I he was one of the keynote speakers and yeah. from the Acton Institute. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They, their Acton does a lot, like a yeah. lot of things like, yeah, like last year, there was like some like random small business fair for kids at a local park here where I'm at in Florida. I'm like, Oh, that's a really cool event. Like, who the heck put this on? It's like acting. It's like, Oh, <laughs> no wonder. It's like all these cool things happening. It's, yeah. it's, it's great that they're, they're behind it. But I, you know, but the problem is I, I would just, I would push back because even, even with the, uh, with more Christians in power, obviously I'm not going to be, mm. um, to, to me, it's like, they're just going to be less power. <laughs> like that's, or the, it, we just have to, the, the, the federal government, needs to be uh, functionally as weak and in almost pointless as our president is Mr. Joe Biden right like it's just like he he kind of personifies that well but the government is still you know bloated and with bureaucrats and stuff like mm -hmm. that and that's where again cuz cuz a libertarian standpoint it's like federal government should be like the least powerful and then states can have a little bit more and then they'll locally that's where like your local politics should have the most influence uh, over your life. But in the U S we just, we completely have that, that flipped. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I agree. Like it would be great if there's more Christians who are in, in, in these positions of, of power, but at a get, then again, isn't, you know, Joe Biden's a Christian, you know, there's all sorts of Christians. <laughs> Joe Biden's like, a Catholic. Hard. Joe yeah, Biden's he's, he's a Catholic. Catholic Jake. Yeah. Right. Right. So what's going on? Right. It's, it's like the, I do think that's actually, I think the, um, the Acton, uh, motto is power corrupt in absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. The, mm -hmm. I forgot. Wait, is that, is that the guy who said it? Lord Acton or something like, it oh, might've been named after name that from. guy. I think it's what, yeah, I think that's the guy who they got the name from. Okay. Um, 
And I, I don't know. I just think there's something fundamental to human nature that we are just not very good at like lording over other people. Like, you know, other than like, you gotta, you gotta lord over your, you gotta figure out yourself and your family and, and, and maybe some super local like community around you, you can lead. But man, like people who think that they can go to Washington DC and fix all the problems and, and, and provide solutions like they are delusional. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the point or maybe in the, in like kind of a, a catalyst moment where, you know, no matter how many checks and balances you put in place to um, try to distribute the weight as evenly as possible, it's never going to be, the balance is never going to be perfect. It'll always kind of go in one direction or the other. There's no real, in and that'll probably go without saying for, any government that ever gets created for the rest of mankind, because that's just, that's just our nature. We always, we always are craving more, more power, more money, more, whatever it is that we crave. And uh, that's just, that's just uh, a part of our humanity. Well, and I, and I, again, I will bring it back to Bitcoin. I, to me, the quickest solution to all of the government dysfunction is getting the money um, system right. And, uh, getting us to some sort of standard where we can't just constantly produce more and more debt um, like the government does because that all the debt and all the credit expansion, that's what funds all of the nonsense and, and the overbloated federal government and all the junk that they come up with for policies because um, they, they have an infinite money printer. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, to me, it's the solution is like we need to – go through the pain, the short-term pain of going back to, well, ideally be a Bitcoin standard, some sort of standard, uh, gold or Bitcoin, right? Um, hopefully just Bitcoin and like go through the deflationary pain we'd have to go through or whatever to, to make it happen and then and, and deal with it. And then society is going to be better off in the long run, but the chances of that happening anything, are so tiny. I don't think anybody like Powell or anybody though is, has the stones to actually do that you know that's the thing is like will we ever find somebody who's like all right we need to like we need to wash our hands and actually like get out of this muck that we've put ourselves in i think since 2008 it has just been and even before then it's just gotten deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole and it's just going to keep going that way because there's there's too many hands in the cookie jar and they one person upsets the apple cart and then everybody just starts gosh i'm not gonna swear but um you, you know what i mean it's just like th- that's that's the concern and i think like they always kind of push 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 and then it's like oh well don't get too carried away and then it's just like push 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 and then yield back so it's it's all over the board and i think like one of the things that you kind of talked about earlier the Taxation without representation has just been something that's been irking me a lot lately, too. Um, and it's funny because we see all these Gen Z videos opening up their first paycheck and seeing um, how much of it's getting taken out. It's, it's I hope that there's I hope that there's some there's some mind there's some uh, mind share taking over with that, because it would if it would really help from a younger generation standpoint to just be like, 
to heck with this. Like, what what is the point of, of doing anything um, and just completely just dismantling what the conventional corporate work system is in this country? And But that would just be interesting. I don't know if that will actually happen because I think people still need subsistence to live and pay their rent and groceries. But, man, if there is some sort of mutiny like that, would the system be able to contain something like that? Gosh, it'd be incredible. They're just gonna, they're just gonna print money. They're gonna do universal yeah. basic income. They'll do whatever um, they need to do. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. They'll just keep kicking the can down the road, and I, I think we'll always be surprised at how far they can keep kicking the can down the road. Um, I, it, and unfortunately, just you just have to know, like, know how to play the game, so to speak. Know where to where, know where to store your assets and, and things like Bitcoin and educate people you care about. Jake talking about kicking the can down the road. Let's diverge for a second. The Bitcoin mm-hmm. ETF. Do you really think it's going to come through? Cause I had this big argument with Matt. I'm of the opinion. No way. No way. The government's going to approve a Bitcoin ETF. What do you think? I, I think they are. I mean, uh, really again, do. I, I, yeah, I, I hear, I listen to at least based on all the, podcasts, news articles, the things that I listen to about it. And trust me, I spend too much time on Bitcoin Twitter and um, hearing all the positive mm-hmm. and negative takes. Um, I think they're going to do it. I mean, they came out with a gold ETF. Remember, they, at one time, the government literally banned people from holding gold, you know, and then eventually uh, they they want it. I, I think in a way, they... I think the powers that be, the government, the the financial complex of Wall Street, like, uh, I think maybe at this point, I think they see the value proposition of Bitcoin and they probably are going to try to leverage it in a way to just keep, they're going to try to fund the dumb stuff they keep doing. But then the thing is, they'll realize like, oh, people, like, we can't play our games with this thing. Like it, it, uh, it, there's a fixed supply. People can self-custody it. it you, we audit the supply uh, every 10 minutes. And I think that's going to create some interesting fireworks down the road that I'm kind of but excited couldn't they, about. Couldn't they, just, couldn't they just move to a – I don't know if they could. But like once the Bitcoin ETF happens, then do you open up a can of worms where other proof-of-work projects can, can start like – pleading their case too because i've seen some stuff you know where some other proof of work projects will then like okay bitcoin has an etf so here's our alt um proof of work etf and then once you know the chias or the caspas or any of those other proof of works i mean monero will never get an etf let's be frank there but um you know other proof of work projects get their etf and then the Ethereum community, they're pretty loud. They start banging on the table and then proof of stake gets an ETF. It, I just think then everybody's going to get an ETF in some way, shape or form eventually, because like you said, it'll just give government another opportunity to to hide trillions more dollars. Yeah, like or like, the, you know, the government wants to make money off of capital gains because people will trade in and out of those ETFs. Mm-hmm. They'll make money that way. Uh, BlackRock and the funds want to make money from their management fees. You know, they, there's the, the incentives are in place for them to do that. Um, and I think Bitcoin in relation to the other cryptos, I think, I think Bitcoin's just going to keep, keep taking over 
pretty much the okay. entire crypto world. Like I, I, that's my, if I were to make a bet, I'm not a bet and get dude, but like that, that's, that's where I would see it going over, over the years. With, with your YouTube channel, Jake, um, I was kind of looking at some of your nascent, uh, stage videos where, were you trying to be, uh, the Christian, uh, Graham Stephan or something along those lines initially? Yeah. Kind of I would say, channel? yeah. So like I had a lot of success with my church run YouTube channel, um, which that's what I started building like six, seven years ago. So I'm like, okay, I figured out this YouTube thing. And then around 2020, that's when I really got into finance YouTube because trying to solve these problems for myself. And, and I just like finance, economics, all these things. And I'm like, there's nobody speaking to these things from a more a faith-based yep. standpoint other than someone like, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey kind of does, but you know, I liked really your video. Stupid. I liked your spoof video of the Dave Ramsey interview where you just, yeah, like, yeah. a whole bunch of altcoins, And I was just like, yep. oh, that's hilarious. So. Yeah, that was fun no, no. editing. But then I noticed there. like your your evolution of your channel shifted as you just kind of got more like, okay, I need to talk about what I'm actually passionate about here, right? Is that essentially what happened? Yeah, exactly. Because it gets a point where I think I realized real quickly that you can get views and all that stuff on YouTube being like more making like more trading videos. And I was like, really quickly, I was like, I just no desire to, to be a trader, to learn trading, to do that. Like that's just not good use. That's not a use in my time. Uh, I'm not passionate about it. I don't feel like I'm called to it. And um, so I just like took a break. And now that that channel be, has become kind of my more like personal passion outlet of whatever I'm interested in. Right now, I'm just really interested in Bitcoin. I like literally, I work all day on my main business, which I, I really love that. I'm passionate about it. And then when I'm not working on that, I'm like listening to Bitcoin podcasts, learning more about it. Um, because it really, again, three, after three stinking years of like being down this rabbit hole, like it, I'm only more excited about it than I was three years ago. Like, you know, sometimes you go into new interests and you're like, Oh, like it's cool for a few months or maybe a year. And then you kind of move on to the next thing. Uh, that's not the case, uh, with, with my passion and understanding Bitcoin. Because uh, I still feel like I, I really have a lot more to learn about how the actual protocol works. Um, again, I I, I understand it really mostly from the economic standpoint. Um, but, you know, I don't know, just from the side, like and all, this, and all the tech they're building on top of it, right? Like all of us understand what the internet is and how it's essential to our everyday life. But like, do you know the code and how to program the internet? It's like, maybe you guys do. I don't, right? But... And that's where I see Bitcoin going. Like, I feel like right now, when, when I look at my parents' the generation, I'm like, man, what was it like being growing up in the, you know, seventies and eighties when the first personal computers were coming out? And then you, you, you saw like when you were about my age in your thirties, the internet come about. Um, and all these, you know, Google start up and, and Facebook and like an Apple started getting huge. Like to me, that's kind of the, looking at bitcoin um that's what i feel like we're in but for like the financial industry right now like that's in and that's the that's why i'm like people wake up like there's so much opportunity right here to start learning about this now because i do think in 20 years bitcoin will be trading at like a couple million dollars per coin and there's still going to be people who doubt it but like at the same time uh or or maybe not it's like your grandma's going to have Bitcoin on her, you know, in her retirement 
uh, fund or balance sheet, right? Um, like in the same way that grandma thought an iPhone was crazy back in 2008, but now she has an iPhone. Let me ask you this, because this is this is where I diverge from Bitcoiners. Um, so you mentioned, and you mentioned people building things on top of Bitcoin, which I think is super interesting. So to me, do you see Bitcoin as just purely a financial instrument, or do you think it can be like the underlying base code of what is essentially a you know a future global global internet like 2.0 in a way um because that's that's what i've seen ethereum doing and as a christian we talked about a lot of financial censorship issues well there's also a lot of just data censorship issues you know with these big tech companies like social media facebook google but that but also even just like the foundation of the internet with like domain name registrars will get get taken away from people if they don't like the content you're posting you know servers amazon web server will shut you down you don't have a place to host you know your content so yeah when i look at the wide world of the internet and tech i see a lot of issues that could be solved with maybe some sort of decentralizing tool mm-hmm. and i i actually do think that bitcoin could be that tool if we could start building things on top of it and sometimes i, I feel some pushback from bitcoiners on that you know on that point um, like yeah, no, I know. I think, I think people, yeah, as long, as long as like the, the base protocol does not change it, because it works yeah. as, as in terms of storing and moving value around on the, the internet over the network. And then, yeah, there's other layers that the, the lightning network and mm-hmm. the apps on top of that. Um, like it, the thing about, I, I'm not a huge, the reason why I don't really, I'm not that excited about like web three and other crypto and stuff like that is because I feel like they're solving problems that aren't really that big of a deal that our existing web 2.0 uh, does it more, much more efficiently. Like there's, there's some places where you do need decentralization and it's great, but there's, there's other uh, use cases where it's okay. To, it's more convenient and efficient to have centralization. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like think about uh, something like YouTube. It's like it's centralized on Google servers and it's like an amazing platform that's able to quickly serve up content to where, it, where it needs to go. Yes. Um, you know, YouTube can censor that content. They have, right. And that's a pain in the butt. But to me, the way that has gotten decentralized is okay. Now there's a rumble. Like you can, you know, go over to Rumble if YouTube kicks you off and people have significant followings on Rumble. So I, I think the free market itself is inherently decentralizing already. And it doesn't, you don't always have to implement the decentralization at like the protocol level for every single thing that's out there. Um, that's what I was saying. We should, we don't have to copy and paste web two onto web three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, uh, well, cause, cause the other thing too is like, I think the reason why a lot of these platforms like Facebook and YouTube and uh, have been so successful is because of that network adoption effect that happens on each of those platforms. And they're because of free market forces that are properly incentivizing those companies to steward their assets well and their customers and their content creators well they grow and flourish. And as, and as soon as they start to abuse that, they're going to, uh, they're going to have more competition or leave users are going to leave. Like, I, I don't know. People are always, I, I get people are complaining about big tech and like these big companies at the same time, like 
we can, it could get bad enough where, where advertisers will just stop spending money. Like look at, you know, Elon Musk has to deal with that with, with Twitter, um, or users just start moving to another platform. Like there, there is still a free market out there amidst the different platforms that I, th- I think has a decentralizing effect on them. Yeah, I do agree with you. Not, not everything needs to be decentralized. No. Um, but I do have, I guess I do have the opinion. This is why I still dabble in crypto that certain things can benefit, you know, from decentralization. Uh, just like an example is the concept of decentralized identity. And it's not, this isn't just happening in Web3. There's, you know, this Bitcoin I was talking about is this. There's other, you know, tech uh, solutions that are talking about this. But we've kind of just taken it for granted, um, you know, going back to the beginning of the internet, that every platform is essentially its own silo. And if you mm-hmm. want to create an account on Facebook, you know, you log in, you, you create, and then they own your identity there. And then when they ban you, all that social credit, all those followers you built, everything is just gone. And yep. it's yep. I, it's possible we could build a system. The tech exists. We could build a system where you own your identity with some sort of decentralized, you know, Web3 would call it a token. Other people have some other solutions. But in the same way that you have your own Bitcoin wallet and that's your identity and nobody can take that away from you. Perhaps that's what Noster, that's what Noster does, right? That's right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah Noster's yeah. a Bitcoin centric solution, you know, to that kind of same problem. Yeah. But if you own that identity and then every platform you go to, you just log in with the identity that you personally own. And yeah, they can say, mm-hmm. okay, you can't interact, I guess, with our platform or community, but you own that mm-hmm. piece, you know, so maybe we can decentralize that in some way. And that's yeah. honestly the only reason I play with crypto. Like, I don't think Ethereum is ever going to be a, a better monetary system than Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, and you know, it's a different opinion, but I think at least people can see where I'm kind of deriving my values from. And we share, and all right, let me t- like tie it back into, I think, um, you know, some of the, the conversations we're having here. Like I see actually a lot of value in Bitcoin uh, maxis a lot of value in libertarians. Like we share uh, so many of the same concerns, you know, Christians, uh, whatnot with all these different cultures. And even if I disagree, you know, in small issues with these different groups, um, I think when we start to like compare values, it's like, Oh, we're kind of actually all saying the same thing. And we, we kind of want to see, uh, the same future, you know, one where we can live, uh, with Mm -hmm. our families and not, you know, we can practice our religion and whatnot. So, so, my question to you then is like, what do you think, what is Bitcoin culture? And is it really this thing where, oh, anybody can just, you know, come and, you know, uh, bring their own, their own value system to it? Or do you kind of have to adopt Bitcoin and homeschooling, Bitcoin and Christianity, Bitcoin and, you know, libertarianism, kind of these anti-statist approaches? Um, and, and I do think, like, I kind of see both sides to it, but I, I, I don't have a lot of uh, a lot in common with radical leftists, to be frank, and I don't really see how they can participate in Bitcoin without adopting, you know, some sort of Bitcoin culture. So do you th- mm-hmm. I, I mean, what do you think? Like, is there is there a Bitcoin culture and what is it? I, I would say it's a culture of personal um, responsibility, having sovereignty, which I guess if you look up the definition of sovereignty. It's, I, would, I think of someone who has like, you know, control or, or, or such over their, their life, right? Sup, supreme personal, like supreme power or authority, right? Like mm-hmm. the, to govern like 
sovereignty over your own life to govern yourself. Like I don't need to be governed by outside forces. Right. So that, that I think is like the common thing amidst the, the Bitcoiner culture is, is this idea of sovereignty, responsibility, uh, don't trust, you don't have to trust others. You can just, you can verify, um, especially at a non-local level, right? There's as, as, much as we like to say, don't trust, verify. It's like, well, y- yeah, there are certain relationships in life where you, you just trust people, right? Like you can't, <laughs> you can't get, you can't verify um, certain things about friends or spouse or family members. Like you just right. trust that they, they are true to their word and stuff like that in certain areas. Um, but what's cool is you can, you can leverage the technology to kind of trust them, but also verify they don't, you know, do something uh, malicious, like, you know, having yeah. multi-sig wallet set up so you can, you can use some, do some cool stuff there. So it, yeah. Th- so that's where it's like, when you, when you're like, okay, I'm not going to outsource my savings to the state. Cause that's what we do when we hold our savings in dollars and we put them in a savings account. We're, we're outsourcing it both to the bank and the state and the bank gets the make more fiat dollars by lending out that money with fractional reserve banking. And then the state is devaluing those dollars by just printing more of them. Um, it's not really a good and a good deal for anybody uh, for, or at least for, it is for the government and the banks, but not for us. So why, if I'm not going to outsource my monetary energy and my monetary reserves to the state, why would I want to outsource the raising my child to the state? Right. That's how we get to the, uh, the homeschool conversation. Um, why would I want to outsource my healthcare to the state? Uh, a lot of these, like the, when you go down the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you just start kind of like learning, like there's so many facets to it. Um, I'm, I, I feel like I'm the healthiest I've ever been because I, I've been going down this Bitcoin rabbit hole for the past three years. Uh, it's really changed my, my diet, my fitness, my, um, uh, yeah, just especially like my wife, like gets us raw milk now. Like we're just like, I don't know, just things that you never thought, thought of, or like, I really like eating steak and carnivore diet. And, um, it, because it's like, okay, like I'm not going to trust our government with what I eat, like in the food, the food supply, because because the government, as they inflate money, they're trying to keep food prices lower. So they, they create more processed food and that's bad for us. And that's why so many people get cancer and disease and heart disease and obesity. It's like, like I love the book, uh, the fiat standard by, by, uh, Saifedean, uh, because that, that really highlights all these areas where how the money's corrupted everything. So once you, once you learn that as a Bitcoiner, you learn how money, pretty much corrupts every area of life. Um, then that's why it seeps into the, it is a culture. It seeps into all aspects of your life. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd be, I'd be interested. Like it'd be cool to see more, more of the thought uh, on this. Uh, thank God for Bitcoin, Bitcoin guys jam on this in, in their book a little bit, but you know, how has that fiat mindset money printer, um, caused issues in the church. Right. And I, I do feel like it's it, being someone who like my business 
like is in the church world. So I see a lot of churches and just seeing a lot of very high time pref, high time preference decisions made in churches, uh, these days. It's, it's a sad thing because we're not, we're not thinking about the church over time, like yeah. centuries. That's, that's one thing I think Roman Catholics do pretty well. Um, but you know, Protestants, especially these days are just like, man, I'm just thinking about church this Sunday and that's it. And, and putting on the production or the show or, um, we don't need a nice, you know, timeless building. We can just put it in a black box and yeah. call it good. You know, well, that that's the non denoms having that at their local performing arts center. So it's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and how often too do you see, uh, you know, a great ministry with a does a lot of good and then there's no successor. Yep. And the ministry's yep. gone. It's like yep. every ministry lasts one generation and then it's gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. As we kind of, okay, so everything you're talking about, you know, subculture related, have you kind of dove into any of uh, Bology's network state? A little bit. Um, I think I read that book, probably half of it. I, I'm, I'm the type that I'm like, I'll read, I'll read a couple chapters in a book. And yeah. if I'm like fired up about it, I'll, I'll read it to the end. Like the last book I did that was Broken Money by Lynn Alden. Um, I think that was an mm-hmm. amazing book. But then, uh, Oh, actually, then I listened to on my road trip here, um, same as ever by Morgan Housel. He's the guy who wrote Psychology of Money. That was another good one. But that but Network State it was one of the ones, unfortunately, probably the 90% of books I, I buy and pick up that I'm like, I read 25% of it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's good. I get the point. I'm not going to read the rest of it. Um, I thought it was, I mean, I think the concept is, definitely valid and yeah i think that that could be where we're heading um i would love it i would love it if if the network state kind of dematerializes all the existing uh in real life states that we have it'd be awesome yeah i just i figured you'd align with that a little bit which is why i wanted to Mm -hmm. ask that question because it was yeah it's good is it was definitely like libertarianism too like the it was like and yep Gosh, that would have been a cool conference to go to in the, in Amsterdam, but you know, we can't, well, people we can't like be everywhere. Yeah, and I think people are underestimating right now with Bitcoin the value proposition of being able to store your wealth in a network, and you're not tied down to a local jurisdiction right. jurisdiction anywhere or like a, a, a nation state. Like that's just a big deal. Like even though like. Again, I'm not like a gazillionaire, right? I feel like I'm a, you know, I have a healthy small business and I'm, but, in, but over time I can see how as things compound, like when I get into my 50s, 60s, 70s, I'm like, wow, this is going to like, I'm going to have like, I'm going to have a decent chunk of capital that's just growing, compound yeah. growth, right? You're, you're and, and it's amazing. Like I am starting to think of like, should, should I consider expatriating my family from the, 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 the United States? To be like, I don't want any obligation or ties to the United States anymore because the United States doesn't really serve me. It's like, all I need is the internet and Bitcoin and I can add value to the world and take care of my family and, and do my thing, do my, wow. serve my customers, serve my church. Like, yeah. that's where I, and maybe like, maybe that'll be more of a thing for, my kids or their their kids someday like i i i think after reading the book the sovereign individual did you guys read that 
I haven't read that now. I've heard of it. That like that's a book like once you read it, you're like, man, I just can't see the, so, the same yeah, way so again. Alex Alex Becker um on his channel on YouTube, he mm-hmm. says that he has purchased citizenship, I think, in about six or seven different countries in case yeah. everything goes to the woodshed. Um, I think it's like what Saint Kitts. Like that's where everybody starts, at least in terms of getting a yep. passport. That's the place. So you just like, essentially buy citizenship, and so it's an interesting strategy. It's not, you know, it's not the worst idea either. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. That's why I, I toy with the idea of like going to El Salvador or something like that. But it's yeah. not. But the thing is, it's like no. I just wish there were no states at all. It's like, I don't, we don't need, I, I don't like, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't think El Salvador is the promised land. Um, no. It's just, it's, it's annoying when you start thinking about like, okay, I'm working so hard to accumulate capital. And then, you know, when I die, there's like estate taxes and inheritance taxes and all this stuff. It's like literally just like you, there's so many dang taxes. They like, like, it's just, it's just property theft nonstop till the end of time. Wow. I That's a good note to end the podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, this is, I, I'm on, yeah, this is where I think I kind of want to end things, Connor, because it's so true. Um, and uh, it's definitely conversations worth continuing having. And uh, I'm glad you started bringing up the sovereignty topic, Jake, because if, if people want to uh, hear more about this type of, conversation in terms of sovereignty um they should really go check out more of your content so just want to kind of give you an opportunity to show yourself and uh tell people where to find you yeah on twitter jake goslin and then uh a youtube channel jake goslin i don't really uh not the one you type my name jake goslin you'll see the church front one that's all the church content which if you're into that watch it but the uh the other one i've been posting more about bitcoin lately and it's just basic videos like Cause I get people like they see me talking about Bitcoin a lot on Instagram or Twitter and they're like, where, where do I start? And I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like, how do I buy it? I'm like, what you don't know, you don't know how to buy Bitcoin. It's like, it's such a different world, right? Like, and, and, and it's funny because like, that's the world like I've built my living in mm-hmm. with AVL and the church is like, uh, you know, I'm still explaining very simple things to people who never have met, never been taught it before. It's and so I think that's the same now. thing. It's so it's easy a, now. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing in the Bitcoin world. It's like, it, it's like, well, people still need to be taught the fundamentals. So, um, I've got some videos on that. And, and again, maybe I'll be inspired to make some more content in the future, but Twitter is where you'll get my most recent hot takes. That's awesome. Jake, we're going to need to have you back sometime to talk more about just what's going on today, how, how we can all be more sovereign in, in our, in our everyday life. But this, this was awesome and really appreciate you making the time to come on with us. And uh, we hope everybody checks out Jake and appreciate everybody for watching or listening to this uh, edition of the crypto conversion podcast. And we will see you on the next episode. Peace.